Hi, this is Lori Elster. And this is Anthony Pascal, and this is the All Access Star Trek podcast from trekmovie.com. This week, we're going to be focusing on the Comic-Con at Home panel, which featured trailers and panel discussions for the two animated series, Star Trek Prodigy and Star Trek Lower Decks. That'll be our main story later on. But first, we're going to get into some news from the various Star Trek Universe shows and some other stuff, starting with an update on last week's top story, which is Star Trek Discovery Season 4. Yeah, we had an interview with Anthony Rapp last week, and Anthony Rapp and Doug Jones have both been making the rounds and talking a lot about season three as well as season four. So we have a few more tidbits uh, that we've collected, and one of the big questions people have been asking is like, what's the deal with Saru being captain in rank, but not the captain? So Doug Jones has said, yes, Saru still has captain status. And all of that will have to be worked out in season four, he says. And he says he, that Saru will wrestle with uh, his loyalty to Starfleet versus his tug towards his home planet of Kaminar. I was very much hoping they didn't demote Saru and just make him first officer again. I think that would have been lame. So that's good news, but it is a little weird. We have seen a shot in the trailer where Saru is back on Kaminar in some kind of special outfit, probably a local thing, with this pin. And then we see him on the Discovery, kind of in his normal station, uh, but apparently in a captain's uniform, but still with this Kaminar pin. We're guessing it's some kind of Kaminar pin, I guess. So speculation, I think, you know, maybe he's some kind of, there's something tied to Kaminar, maybe even though it's part of the Federation now. So being an ambassador doesn't make sense, but I don't know. There's something going on there. There's yeah. some kind of link. Whatever it is, I hope we actually get to see some Kaminar stuff. I would like to actually see what it looks like there in the future and spend a little time. I mean, there's, I mean, we're, we're guessing it's Kaminar, but there is a shot of Saru not on the Discovery in the trailer. So it's almost certainly Kaminar because usually they only put stuff from the first couple episodes in and we know he starts on Kaminar. So, right. you know, that makes sense. Hopefully it's not just him telling a story and then we just see it for one second. <laughs> yeah. There were some other updates. Uh, Anthony Rapp said that Adira and Gray will sort of get their own story and not just be part of the Culber Stamets family story. Um, so we'll see where I'm still on the fence about what's going to happen with gray and what I want to happen with gray. But I do hope we're getting more into Adira. And what I'm actually really interested in is Adira as a, tr you know, with the symbiont. I feel like we kind of lost that thread. Didn't we see the trill in the trailer yes. rejoining the Federation. So hopefully there'll be more, you know, kind of trill mythology. I'm glad for them to have their own story so that Stamets and Culber can have their own stories. And yeah. Cul Culber can have more doctor stories and Stamets obviously going to have more science storylines because he, you know, that's what he said in his interview with us. So it makes sense. And of course the ghost boyfriend thing is got to go away soon. So... <laughs> Please. Doug also mentioned your favorite romance or a little spark of romance. Does look like he's going to see Tarina again, who was the Vulcan Navarre president. His Vulcan girlfriend. Yeah. Sorry, that's actually more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> we know she's back because there was a couple shots of her in the trailer, right? She's There's one where, I mean, it's kind of implied they rejoin or at least get friendly again with the... Sit quasi-Cardassian Federation president. 
Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting shot of her mind melding with book. And this is the trailer that came out in April, by the way. There wasn't, there isn't a new trailer. So when I keep on mentioning the trailer, there's nothing new in case you missed it. Um, but there's something going on with those two. Who knows? Maybe it's just to help book channel his superpowers better. Well, and Anthony Rapp mentioned in one of those interviews that he gets some good scenes with David Ajala in season four, which he did not get before. So obviously we know they both can control the spore drive. So they must be collaborating in some way. It would be interesting if there's a rivalry there too. So we'll see how that goes. But I love when they put characters together who are not usually together. Have we ever got clarification from all I'm, of these panels? I'm already going to guess no before I hear the rest of the question, but go for it. <laughs> on exactly what the deal is with Book and how many of the people from his planet have the same deal and how many of these people with whatever this thing is, this empathy thing can, you know, will be able to control spore drives. So initially I had thought, Oh, it's all of his people, but you kept asking that question. And I, now it's been a while since I looked at it, but I feel like there was, I was doing some rewatching over the last few months and there was a mention that it's not everybody. It's only some of them. Well, we think his brother can do it too, but I th- well, we think that's why he calls him his brother, right? Yes, th- yeah, they're like a, a brotherhood of the special Telepaths or whatever. Yeah, empaths. Empaths. The question is: Do the does Starfleet want more spore drives? Because now that they've got this planet of dilithium, do they? You know, is dilithium plentiful again? It still can't do what the spore drive can do. Yeah, exactly. So the spore drive still has a special purpose anyway. So one would think they'd want a whole fleet of them and that all the people from Book's Planet were suddenly the coolest guys in town. Yeah, I would want a fleet of them. So, yeah, I agree with that. Um, And then they did a little production talk. Basically, Doug said that uh, it usually takes eight to nine months to shoot a season of Discovery. And because of, you know, COVID protocols, it took 11 months, which actually isn't that bad. He said they had a couple of stops and starts. And someone had asked him about the longevity of the show. And he said, well, he said he was told they had a five year plan. But then he said that he was told that three showrunners ago. So. (laughs) Yeah, that's I'm sure the uh, CBS loved hearing him (laughs) remind (laughs) people of that one it's been a rocky road for sure but now they're hopefully into more of a groove too so and they've you know they've had the same setting they don't have to reintroduce you know where they are because we know where they are we had a whole season of it and i really don't think i think they're no longer on the five-year plan because i don't think the five-year plan included them jumping into the future no i don't think so either I'm, I so, feel like that five-year plan came at the very beginning, probably. Right. Well, there was the kind of original plan, which I think was maybe a five-year plan, which is every season was a different show kind of thing. Well, they... I mean, after. Yeah. I mean, that's that was a very early idea, right? Different centuries for different seasons, you know, so one in the 23rd, one in the 24th. And that was kind of Brian Fuller's original vision, which I think didn't last long um but uh yeah i'd love to see that five-year plan but whatever they're doing now they have a new plan we don't know if there's going to be a season five i wouldn't be surprised if there weren't um, oh really well uh, only because i you know netflix is a big funder of the show and they tend to 
you know, lose interest in shows after two or three years. Um, it's very rare for them to continue funding shows past, you know, that far into the future. Now, you, Paramount Plus may still want to do it. I, I wouldn't be surprised either way, I guess. Um, oh, okay. But what I do hope is I would like to see them get whatever it is, whenever they get a final season for them to be, I like it when networks say, okay, you get one more year, make it a good one and kind of unwrap it know, up ra- and wrap it up. So you, yeah. often you see shows announce, you know, we're getting our fifth and final season, you know, and so it's not canceled, but they're, you know, they're just saying this is going to be it. Cause there are a lot of shows in development at Paramount plus there are only so many Star Trek shows you could have discoveries, the highest budget show. So, you know, I think five years is a good run and uh, then move on to the next big thing. Yeah, I agree that they need to know for sure. When I was working at A&E years ago, one of the shows it was called The Glades. Actually, uh, Jonathan Frakes directed a couple episodes um, and I interviewed him while he was doing it. But they, the showrunners decided that they would try to guarantee themselves another season by ending a season on a cliffhanger and they never got another season and they left their lead character lying on the floor, stabbed late for his own wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work out well. No. Um, anyway, there's still Discovery's wrapping up production. We haven't heard like a specific date, but I suspect we we've, we've been talking about this. We think they're running longer than they thought because more of the actors have been canceling uh, Vegas, including Sonequa Martin-Green, who was as of last week still booked to go. I've heard that it is because of production but david ajala is done so um and so is anthony anthony rap has been done for like a couple weeks so there's something going on where a select group is needed for certain location or locations and they can't rap i think they're mostly done but not done done Uh, speaking of shows that are done strange new worlds tony thank you thank you i'm a professional um (laughs) So Strange New Worlds wrapped at midnight last Friday. So that would be Friday the 23rd or shortly before midnight. So they had a, a, a typical long day and that was it for like most things. They're, some of them are, are saying they're mostly wrapped because they're off, obviously like every show. They're going to have to do pickup shots, which is normal. Except yeah. just Discovery season three actually didn't have any pickup shots. They had to do they had to fake them all digitally because they couldn't get anyone back on set, or even you know they couldn't even shoot someone's left hand picking up a phaser because COVID. Yeah, everything was shut down. Pickup shots are normal. There's probably some second unit going on, but the crew has wrapped. Yep, Anson Mount's already at home with his with his feet up. As he posted on social. Yeah, various crew members are posting pictures of their gifts. You know, you get a gift at the end of the season. They get crew jackets and oh, stuff like that. Oh, the jackets look great, by the way. I'm yeah. jealous. Yeah. I mean, they really, I mean, yes, it is taking longer for Discovery and it is understandable. But Strange New Worlds, they kept it tight. They somehow did this thing on schedule. And we expect they're doing a lot of location shooting. So, you know, it's unclear why Discovery is taking longer than this show, but it is. (laughs) Right. But it is. And that's where we are. But they all seem super excited. Everybody who's wrapped is just like, this is the greatest thing. This is which, you know, we hear a lot with these shows and it's really lovely to hear. 
they literally shot off fireworks outside yeah. the stage. Um, and they were all drinking and having a good time. Drinking and fireworks, it's kind of a bad mix. Hopefully it wasn't the same people. Yeah, but there was I like a big party doing the fireworks. <laughs> yeah. So um, it looked like a whole lot of fun up there in Toronto. We've had a little rumor about Strange New Worlds, though. Courtesy of IMDb, which, you know, is not, it's not a verified source. I can go into IMDb and add anything. I mean, I've done it, but I've only added true things. Um, but it says that there is an actress cast to play T'Pring in three episodes. I'm sure everybody remembers who T'Pring is, but she was played by Arlene Martel in the original series, and she was, you know, supposed to marry Spock. She was in a mock time. So uh, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but it seems like an odd thing to just put up there. I mean, the the actress credited is a Canadian actress and model. Her name is Gia Sandu. You know, she's very attractive, as you would expect, um, if this is true. It's possible. I mean, there are things that I've seen on the IMDb page that are in error. It shows some of the regular, you know, regular characters only appearing in one episode. So, you know, we know it's it's not entirely 100% accurate. This is possible, but one of the reasons why this isn't on trekmovie.com is because we don't report rumors and we don't consider IMDb a source. Right. And we haven't been able to confirm this, you know, and it hasn't been reported in the trades or anything, any other reliable site. Right. Like she could have put it up. Her agent could have put it up. Her family could have put like anybody could have put it up. But I have to say uh, three episodes sounds like a lot. So I hope that that part's wrong. Right. Let's not talk about this. Let's talk about the general thought of what do you think of the idea of a character like T'Pring even showing up at all, let alone for three episodes? i got to be honest, it worries me. So for two reasons. One is that he supposedly Spock hadn't seen her since they were joined at seven, I think, when they were both seven. So, the, so I mean, and we certainly wouldn't be seeing her without Spock, I assume. And also, I just... I'm I'm excited for them to get the tone of the original Star Trek. I'm not excited for them to keep digging into the characters in the original Star Trek. Yeah, this is one of those things where we immediately all thought, oh no, Akiva can't help himself. He thought T'Pring was hot. He wants to bring her back. She was hot. Yeah. Fair enough, but, you know, create a new hot alien. There was no shortage of hot women on the original series. Yeah, but- and there's nothing wrong with a few showing up and hot guys on strange new worlds but we don't need to pring we certainly don't need three to prings um, <laughs> <laughs> so i'm hoping it's not true and but more to the point i hope that we very much limit this kind of thing on the show it's planet of the week adventure of the week but new planets new planets, new stories, new people. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go and revisit old episodes. Like I watched those episodes. Those are great. Give me something new. I mean, we've said this all before and this is a rumor. So I don't know. I guess I, I you know, let's move on. Okay. On to Star Trek Picard. Actually, you found this. There was a anniversary article about Howard the Duck. Okay. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> and there was an interview with Leah Thompson who, you know, did a lot of eighties movies, you know, back to the future, of course, but she's transitioned to directing. And it was just mentioned as an aside in this article that 
she's directing for Star Trek Picard in season two. And it's the Hollywood Reporter, and it was an interview with her, so it seems fairly trustworthy. So, you know, just kind of an interesting little connection there to 80s pop culture. Leah Thompson. Sure. Sure. And that's all we know about Picard right now. But we have some other news. It's uh, it's it's quite the time for Robert Duncan McNeil, who we were talking about last week because we found out he'd been asked to be on Picard and to direct it. Um, and actually, I did have a little fun little update on that now that I think about it, which is that in the uh, Facebook group for the Delta Flyers, which I am in because I'm obsessed with that podcast, um, his wife, he got married this past year, by the way, uh said pretty clearly she said that he has not been able to make the Picard thing happen because he couldn't make the schedule work but that both sides want to make it happen eventually and then she did crossed fingers so let's hope right now he's in Canada for quite some time and he won't be leaving until he's done uh, what he's working on so but anyway he turned up well, before we even get to that, let's talk about uh, his <laughs> Captain Proton series, which has which is getting possibly, maybe, a new life. We first reported on this like a year ago that he and Garrett were interested in bringing back Captain Proton, the holodeck serialized black and white character, the Buck Rogers character from Star Trek Voyager. Lori and I have talked to various people who worked on the show. They're all kind of into the idea. But it all sounded like, you know, sure, everyone's kind of interested, but it's kind of a crazy idea. It almost will certainly never happen. But in that podcast that we talked about last week, there was this other little bit where Robbie says he actually pitched this idea to Secret Hideout, which is the the, Alex Kurtzman production company that makes all the Star Trek shows. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's now in the system. It is a formal thing. And Robbie, again, Robbie is not just an actor looking for work. In fact, the opposite. No, he's a successful working producer and director. He doesn't act anymore, (laughs) right? He's been working his butt off on other stuff. So that's what he's been doing. Which is why he can't appear in Picard. Right. 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 So, and it's, you know, after uh, you put up the article about him, pitching the show to Alex Kurtzman, he saw it and retweeted it and tagged Alex Kurtzman saying, Hey, <laughs> which, which, okay. Which, which speaks volumes. Let's yeah, face it. Yeah. In the podcast, he said, you know, so, you know, he had the meeting and he didn't say, and they they can't wait to do it. <laughs> so it sounds like they took the meeting. They listened to the idea. Um, they nodded their heads and he's still trying to get them to take it seriously. I mean, I think if they were still doing short treks, which I'm almost certain they're never going to do again, because they've got enough other things to do. Um, and this fits better into that. Uh, you know, I'm still not sure this is ever going to happen. It's more likely to happen than say the Michael Dorn Captain Worf show, because it's, maybe a better idea and certainly cheaper to do. I mean, I don't know that it's a, be- I, I think it's a fun idea for something that isn't long-term. I don't think you could do it long-term. Well, I, yeah. I think he, he's thinking of a, a mini series of shorts. So it would yeah. maybe add up to the equivalent of one or two normal episodes of whatever, or it'd be like a season of short treks, but it would be serialized just like the old shorts, you know, the Buck Rogers kind of things. One thing he mentioned this time, which he hadn't 
we didn't know is that he's also considered doing it as a podcast in the form of old radio serials. I thought and that was a really interesting idea. It probably wouldn't cost that much, but you know, would Kate do that? But you know, probably because she's for, working I, on Prodigy and you could do it from anywhere. You don't need to be yeah. together. But part of the reason why the, these people want to do this was because they looks... want, well, they want to get paid to have fun all together as their Star Trek Voyager people, you know, to all get back on stage and work together again. And if you did it as a podcast, it would very likely be done especially something like this, it'd almost be done like an animated show where everyone just kind of records their parts and that would be that, you know, in, mm -hmm. in isolated sound booths and you kind of lose the whole point of this, which is it just won't be nearly as fun. I mean, I guess they could do it together, which is would be like the old radio serials did where they all got on the stage together and there was a guy in the back shaking things, making the sound effects. That might be <laughs> kind of fun. Um, yeah, maybe they could do it that way. That, you know, and that would fulfill their Jones for getting back together. I'd rather watch a show about them making it than actually watch the Captain Proton show. <laughs> it wasn't, I gotta be honest, I'm a huge Voyager fan. Captain Proton was not my favorite. Like, to me, it just sort of took up time from real things that were happening. It didn't do anything. I, I got that the actors were having fun, but for me as a viewer, it wasn't... A, a huge amount of fun, but I feel like there's something there that could work. So somehow this idea of these Voyager actors getting back together to make Captain Proton, that I would watch hours of. I mean, he does seem to have a vision and, and you want to trust the artist. Yeah. And he, he wants to do something that makes fun in a way of sci-fi tropes. And he mentions Star Trek tropes. So almost in a lower decks kind of way, I could see this being, you know, a, a meta thing, perhaps. Um, and that could be kind of fun, certainly as a podcast or even as a, I mean, you know, maybe they could do this animated. There's another thing, you know, he didn't yeah. mention that, but, but so it has some life in it. Who knows how much, but it's not dead yet. We have a bit of an update last week. We you know mentioned that LeVar Burton is hosting Jeopardy and this week he's doing it. And he did another media blitz again, interviews with, you know, Good Morning America and GQ and all sorts. Jeopardy was trending on Monday. So it's been kind of this big media event that LeVar Burton is hosting Jeopardy. Have you been watching it? I've seen two. And I have to admit, I don't think he's at his best. I And, and he even admitted this in the Good Morning America where he said his first one did. I mean, apparently they shoot them all back to back in one day. Well, that's how you do game. I mean, I've used to work on game shows. So that's why you do game shows is so you because you can shoot them all in one day. I didn't They're know cheap. you could do five in one day. That oh, seems... I used to do. Se I did seven in a day of a quiz show for BET. And so it makes sense to me. But also, here's what I do know about game shows, which is when the cameras roll and the game starts, the host is the director. In a, like the host is in charge of the whole thing. It's a lot of pressure. And that's why people do a lot of rehearsals and run throughs. And he had one day of rehearsal, which I think is not enough, <laughs> frankly. I'm seeing Reading Rainbow LeVar. Yeah. So we haven't seen the whole week yet. Hopefully he lightens up a bit. I thought by the end of his second show, he was starting to loosen up just a little bit. And I feel like he's going to get 
better. Well, so I just love him, but I feel like he's going to get better and I really want him to. And then his daughter posted a video on Twitter of him watching himself on TV where she's bugging him <laughs> and he's like, shh. <laughs> he, I'm sure he's more of a critic of himself than we are. Yeah. And is probably analyzing the hell out of this. Yep. So I'm sure he's ready to get back at it if he gets that second chance. Yeah, I hope he does. I just want it for him. Before we move on to our top story tonight, <laughs> a quick update on conventions. Um, the creation convention, which is now called 55-Year Mission, is still kicking off on August 11th. Um, this week, they've announced that they're going to be adhering to new COVID protocols, including everyone wearing a mask. Um, we've actually ordered custom trekmovie.com masks for everyone on the team. Oh yeah. They have lost a couple of guests in the last few days. We know that a couple of those were discovery and unavoidable. A couple other ones may, you know, be professional, maybe COVID who knows, but that now they're adding more guests to kind of make, make room for that. Shora Agdashlu, who was in Star Trek beyond is going to be there. She's actually an amazing actress. She's been in a lot of stuff. Right, 24, um, so that, and of yeah. course the expanse, expanse is, you know, what she's mostly known for these days. And, there, you know, and there's a few others they're adding. So I think the net total number of guests has remained about the same. Anyway, we're still looking forward to it. We'll be reporting on it from the event on Thursday. So by the time you listen to this podcast, tickets will have gone on sale for another convention, the official Star Trek convention next April in Chicago, which is called Star Trek Mission Chicago, amazingly enough. Ticket pricing is fairly reasonable, $65 a day, um, $750 if you want the full three-day package with extra amenities and you get in the front of the line and all sorts of, get a better seat and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the, the, the tough thing here is, this is the same company that does Star Wars celebrations. And from the experience of those, people say those sold out really fast. And people are worried, like, you know, should I buy my ticket now? Because they haven't released many guests yet. Only three. Kate Mulgrew. Michelle Hurd and Will Wheaton. And that's just not enough to go on. So do you buy your ticket just assuming there's going to be 100 guests by next April? Or do you wait and then maybe you sell out? So, it, you know, it's really I'm going to go. For sure, but I think fewer people on the Trek movie team are ready to jump into Chicago. I think Kayla's going to go. You're not going to go. Yeah, I Brian, mean, it's again, Brian's it's, no. it's a big deal that I'm making it to Vegas this year for the first time, so I'm not yeah. sure I can do another one. I do have like a family who likes to go on vacation sometimes, too. So that's it for uh, the next two big Star Trek conventions, although there's going to be an on, you know, the Star Trek Day is going to be the next kind of online event. Um, so before we start talking about Comic-Con at home, which focused just on the animated shows, we are expecting a Star Trek day on September 8th, which will be another online event from Paramount Plus. They haven't announced it yet, but I'm almost certain they're going to do this. And that's when we'll probably see the first trailer for Strange New Worlds. That's my prediction. Yeah, I think so too. And they did such a nice job with that last year. It was fun. There was a lot of good stuff. So I have high expectations and hopes for this year. So getting back to Comic-Con at home this year, even though it was limited, it was much better than it was last year. 
They focused just on animated shows from Paramount Plus. They're, they covered four shows, two of which were Star Trek shows, which was Prodigy and Lower Decks, each of which got their own panel discussion and a trailer. We didn't know the Prodigy trailer was coming, so that was pretty exciting. Should we start with Prodigy? Yeah, of course. The trailer looks fantastic. It was just, the visuals were beautiful. The scope was big. It was dramatic. It was colorful. It was sort of everything I hoped in terms of the animation and the look and feel. I mean, even though we had seen some stills, I think that were released like a month ago, and we'd seen character designs, when you really saw it in action, it's cinematic. It is gorgeous. Cinematic is exactly the right word. Yep. When you compare this to... Star Trek, the animated series, you know, people say the first Star Trek show for kids was the animated series. Well, <laughs> and that is true. That was my first Star Trek experience. But uh, <laughs> I still can't get over that that was your first Star Trek experience. But, you know, this kids, kids have it lucky now because the animation on Star Trek, the animated series was not great. Sad. This is really nice. Rich in detail, you know, and just, oh, it's just really, it completely won me over. I feel like if you watch the trailer, it feels very much like it kind of a synopsis of episode one, the pilot episode. Yeah. I'm almost certain there's nothing in it, not in the pilot episode. Yeah, um, maybe like a shot of something, maybe, but I doubt it. I, I don't, think you're right. No, I think there's nothing because it really, if you look at it, it tells the story that Kate Mulgrew leaked <laughs> a few weeks ago, <laughs> but now we see it, which is... There's some kids and they're on a mining planet as prisoners, basically. And there's some evil bad guy and there's a voice. We hear his voice in there and it's killing me that I can I know I know the voice, but some guy plays the evil bad guy, but we don't see him who controls the planet. Um, it's from a new race that they created for the show. What we're now learning, which is which is new, is... It appears the central character of the show is the character called Doll. Yeah, and it's like um, the skinny dude. I used to think it was Gwyn, maybe just because she's taller. I don't know why I thought she was <laughs> going to be the central character. It, you know, so Gwyn is the daughter of the bad guy who controls the mining planet. So she's not actually a prisoner. She's the only one that isn't, in fact. But she leaves with them, so... I guess things with her and her dad aren't going great. Yeah, I think there's that moment at the you know, with the hand reaches out and it's like I think, you know, Dahl basically says to her, like, you can escape too, is the gist of what he's yeah, we're rescuing you as well. So But the whole beginning of the trailer was all about Dahl and it was it's kind of his plan to get off the planet. It's kind of setting him up as the sort of captain of this show, in a way. You know, and we'll get to this at the end of the trailer. You know, it seems like he's the one who's going to be leading them. He certainly leads the escape. So, you know, yeah. he's, the, he's the motivating. He's the one who gets who decides that they need to escape. But I think with the thing about Dahl and Gwyn is that I think Gwyn's father may be a recurring. I'm just guessing here, but perhaps he's going to pursue them like that. He'll be coming. You know, they're going to leave with Gwyn and he's not going to be cool with that. And so they're going to be on the run as it were as fugitives. And this bad guy is going to come after him. 
Um, so, you know, with the, the panel had all the actors who were playing all the main parts. Um, and so one of the things we learned is that Gwen speaks a lot of languages. And then they that got uh, the actress and the Hageman brothers discussing the fact that that she had to learn Klingon. So Ella Purnell plays Gwyn, and she said Gwyn speaks a lot of languages. And that led to a discussion of her having to learn Klingon, and the Hageman brothers talked about, oh, we looked stuff up, and it wasn't accurate, so we consulted the official expert, because there's one on Discovery. And so that, to me, begs the bigger question, uh, are they going to be somewhere where Klingons are? And how did, you know, are they in the, which quadrant are they in? Why are there Klingons? Where do they come from? So the show is set in the Delta Quadrant, they say. But I think with that, there's two ways we could take that. One is it ends up in the Delta Quadrant. Um, and one is it starts in the Delta Quadrant, but we're not sure if it both starts and ends up in the Delta Quadrant. I think it it, you know, it would be weird for them to keep on saying it's set in the Delta Quadrant and it starts in the Delta Quadrant and then they leave. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think I think they end up in the Delta Quadrant. The question is, does the show also start in the Delta Quadrant. Um, I think what we're probably seeing here, and this is theorizing, is it's maybe somewhere between kind of the Alpha Quadrant and the Delta Quadrant, maybe close to the border, in that this ship, which we see at the end of the trailer, is one of the two ships that Starfleet sent out to rendezvous with Voyager. Remember when late in season six, they finally were able to start talking to Starfleet? There was one episode and... I forget the name off the top of my head. It was a Starfleet Admiral said that they sent two ships to rendezvous. And he said something like they should be able to catch up with you within five to 10 years or something like that. I think this could be one of those ships, which has some kind of experimental propulsion and could have had on board. Because one of the things that sort of doesn't make sense is, okay, we're in the Delta Quadrant, so why is, you know, why are there Alpha Quadrant species on this mining planet, right? Right, because we've got a Tellarite and a Medusan. Well, and a Bricarian, which is a, a book character who's, you know, another Federation race. Actually, half the aliens are alpha quadrant aliens half or not so that is why i'm kind of thinking they've maybe on the border and then they escape deeper although that you know it kind of doesn't make sense like you you found a starfleet ship why are you going deeper into the delta quadrant i don't know you know we don't you know these are things that we'll learn in the pilot there's got to be a reason why these alpha quadrant you know another theory is that the caretaker or something like you know maybe the caretaker's companion or Another caretaker, you know, brought these aliens in to the Delta Quadrant, perhaps. Hmm. I hope they don't go down that road. It kind of doesn't fit with what happened to the caretaker and what we knew, even about the caretaker's companion, too. You know, there's a million unknowns. This is a very brief teaser trailer. They've been really short on information on this show. Um, So, you know, we're left to theorize but yeah one of the big questions is why familiar aliens and why are they talking about klingons and where do we start out and is it all set in the delta quadrant is a big big question yeah but i did like how in the trailer after we meet doll at the beginning we kind of run through quickly 
very quickly, but we get a brief sense of each of these characters. Yeah, they did a nice job with each one. And then I liked, I loved hearing the actors talk about them too, because I felt like it gave us just, just a little extra. I don't know. Usually I, I kind of would prefer the writers <laughs> to say things, but I actually enjoyed hearing from the cast about it. And I thought I, the character that I'm very, I love rock talk being an eight-year-old girl who they, you know, the, the way the producers described it is saying that, you know, that they, that rock talk looks like a tank. And so if you're trying to assemble a crew, you're like, that person's got to be our security person. And then it's like the sweet animal loving little kid. Who loves science. And I think they implied she's going to do science stuff. Yep. On the show. And that their direction to her is to, you know, not talk all gravelly, but to just talk like yourself. Yeah. And that comes across in the trailer because you see the character and then you hear the voice. Although the, they made the face very young and innocent looking. So it's this yeah. big rocky body, but it's, you know, they, they made the face right so that it it isn't totally jarring to hear the voice come out of the you know, it's not like the thing from Fantastic Four. Right. You know? uh, <laughs> right. It would be weird to hear the thing talk like a little girl. I would think. Right. Or like a Yarnick from the Savage Curtain. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I went outside the family. You brought us back in. Thank I brought us much. back in only because I'm always excited when I can remember that its name was Yarnick. <laughs> <laughs> Something new we learned in the panel that we didn't know and but we saw a tiny element of this in the trailer but mostly in the panel is about murph now murph is the blob the indestructible blob that likes to eat ship parts is all we knew about him before now what we're learning is murph doesn't talk in a normal sense no it's it's (laughs) it sounded to me like if you took now I'm going to go out of franchise. If you took R2-D2 and a bunch of Jawas and combined them, right. that's what it sounded like to me. Now Murph is voiced by D. Bradley Baker, who's a legend in voice acting and his works on Clone Wars and very capable of making all sorts of crazy noises. And he makes these kind of squeals and squeaks. And we heard that in the trailer. He did it live in the panel too. I mean, they described... Murph as Rock Talk's lieutenant, sidekick, and, you know, pal, that kind of thing. That, But in a way, it almost seems like semi-sentient pet is maybe, I mean, we don't know enough, but I don't think Murph is, what's the, what's the nice way of saying, I'm not sure how sentient Advanced. Murph is. Advance. Yeah. What they said was Murph understands what's going on around him, but viewers aren't really going to understand him. But I'm now I'm excited about Rock Talk and Murph together and I want action figures. So Mur- you know, when people saw Murph, they were thinking of Yafit on the Orville or maybe of the Blob character from Monsters vs. Alien franchise, the one voiced by... Um... <laughs> I love that movie. Was it Seth Rogen? Um, yeah, Seth Rogen. <laughs> um, and it's nothing like either... It's something I think R2-D2 is actually a better analogy, kind of a lovable character, you know, instead of a droid, it's uh, this kind of blob creature. 
Right. Well, it also, if that's the case, creates a lot of opportunity for um, exposition to sound natural, which is good for a kid's show because they're obviously going to have to explain things on sort of a different level. And so if they have to keep explaining what Murph is saying or explaining things to Murph, that might help the audience a little bit too. And you kind of knew once they said, when Jason Mansukis was cast, you kind of know what you're getting, right? So the <laughs> Tellerite character, Jankum Pog, is basically like all other characters he plays, kind of in-your-face attitude kind of guy. In the panel, he was very funny. I think I think a lot of the comic relief is going to come from this character on the show. Everyone else seems very earnest, and we'll get into like Zero next, but Zero seems like super serious. Uh, whereas Jenkin Pog is just going to be a source of a lot of laughs, I think. Yeah, well, that's his, you know, he always gets characters like that in everything. And he's done a lot of TV, so I think that's also why he was more relaxed at the panel. And, and he, I think he said he's the engineer, which you could kind of tell from his outfit covered in like yeah. wrenches and stuff like that. So we're, we're starting to get a sense in a way of the roles these characters are playing. So, you know, if doll's kind of the captain and rock talk is the scientist and Jacob is the engineer. Um, Who's not Murph- always successful and is, a Tellerite. So hey, that sounds fun. <laughs> Gwyn is communications. You know, if she's doing all this translating, I guess is the closest analogy, perhaps. Sure. I mean, you know, this is definitely a lot of speculating. I'm not sure where's. So let's talk about Zero, the Medusin. A very enigmatic character. Um, very Seemed very thoughtful and serious. Well, the thing that caught my interest was saying that because there is a Medusin, a, a genderless Medusin, um, they can read people's minds, but has a, has a tendency to blurt out what people are thinking and will take a while to learn that that's not such a nice thing to do. Get a sense here that Zero is the, not in the same role, but like the data or the um, Odo character, the kind of outsider, the one who is socially awkward and doesn't know the right thing to say at the right time type yeah. of character for the yeah, show. Yeah, I got that too. You know, we're, 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 we're making leaps and bounds here based on a few seconds and, 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 a, uh, you know, so these things weren't said, these are, but these are impressions. So what's good is every character seems to look and be very different. Mm-hmm and unique yet fit into nice star trek slots maybe we're forcing them in on our own i don't know but it all seemed to fit with star trek i mean of course the interesting thing here is none of these characters know anything about starfleet they find the ship in the by the end of the trailer um and it's going to be a show where it's just a bunch of aliens the only Starfleet person is a hologram they find on the ship voiced by Kate Mulgrew who was heard in the trailer but not seen yeah they kept that they're holding out on that one Um, and that hologram is going to guide them to use the ship and escape so uh, I just I don't know I'm very excited about this one I just can't wait to see it 
the ship is pretty cool. Yeah, the ship looks great. The effects, or sorry, the animation looks great. And every character I thought was interesting. The actors seem so excited about it. I don't know. I'm ready. I wish it was premiering sooner. The ship looks like something that very much fits in kind of the Voyager look of ships with a little bit of J.J. Abrams' Calvinverse, just a, a hint, the nacelles particularly, and some lens flares, of course. <laughs> but fits very well in with the TNG era look of things, especially the Voyager era. And you know, we, we learned in the panel that Dahl is going to be trained by hologram Janeway, which is another way we kind of get the sense that Dahl is in charge because you know, unless she's training everyone, they, they kind of made a point to talk about how he and Janeway work close together. Yeah, they have some, some intense interactions. I mean, the weird thing is that because the way they showed this ship, it has very wide open spaces. I mean, the bridge is huge. And we only see Dahl on the bridge. And I wonder if eventually we'll see all these characters on the bridge. I mean, there is this issue of this is a ship. They're all kids. They're not trained. How are they really going to fly this thing? You know, it, it begs the question, do ships need crews or could they just fly themselves? Because, you know, if a bunch of kids can fly this thing and there's no crew anywhere else on the ship because it would take all of them to man the bridge stations then why do ships even have crews? Yeah, I mean, you know, and they're going to have to sleep sometimes. And yeah, I, I mean, that's one of those things that I that usually just suits the story they want to tell. But I wonder if they're going to bring on more people or is it just going to be these six and hologram Janeway? Because the ship seemed kind of big, like about the size of the USS Voyager. Yeah. Right. Because I thought maybe they were going to find a somewhat smaller ship and it would make sense for them to just be the six of them on this smaller Starfleet ship. But this is a significant sized ship with six kids on board. So there's some question marks there. Um, it's called, I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, it's called the USS Protostar and it has an NX designation, which generally means it's going to be some kind of experimental or prototype ship, uh, which is probably explains how it can get to the delta quadrant and maybe explains why it doesn't need a full crew <laughs> and maybe why it crashed because it doesn't work it, right because oh, it does need a full crew anyway <laughs> <laughs> okay so i don't know was it is there anything else about prodigy we should talk about no i mean that pretty much wraps it up for me well we we learned one fact about when the show is coming which isn't really a fact they said it's coming in the fall which was kind of obvious but they didn't give us a date now lower decks is going to wrap up on october 14th so if they did what they did last year then that would mean october 21st it starts i'm not sure why they didn't just say that yeah, there's a reason. They're saving that announcement for something. Unless they are going to overlap. I mean, they could. They it would it, you know, it is again different completely different audience. Except for the people like us who are going to watch anything that says Star Trek at the beginning. I mean, there there could be a, an impulse to start it in September 
you know, in line with the 55th anniversary of Star Trek. And kids going back to school and things like that. Hopefully we'll find out soon. So the other big show for Comic-Con was the other animated show, which is Lower Decks, which is actually coming on August 12th, which is pretty darn soon. It is. And they had a trailer with a jam-packed, action-packed, Easter egg-packed trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And a panel with Mike McMahon and three of the four main Lower Deckers. Noelle Wells couldn't be there, although she did do a little uh, taped message. But it started with Mike saying it's going to be funnier and bigger than season one. Um, I don't think they gave us a lot of information in the panel. That was sort of mostly just like lots of banter and cute chit chat. But that trailer was just full of stuff. Although a lot of it is just kind of like, did you like season one? Because here's some more of everything. I mean, there's this kind of they're not changing the tone of the show. No, but you wouldn't expect them to change the tone of the show, would you? Well, discovery, I mean, the, I mean show, some is, shows change in the, season two. But the tone of Lower Decks is what Lower Decks is. Right. What, uh, that's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is if you like season one, you're going to like season two. Right. It's, it's, they, they, they are not reinventing the wheel. They didn't seem to feel like they needed to fix anything. They're just they're just keep on going down that yeah. path. And I'm not saying it's going to be exactly like it, uh, but it felt very much like it so yeah jam-packed with easter eggs i mean there's like too many to mention but you know you spot some of the big ones you see them go into kind of a space vegas and you see quarks which apparently is like a franchise now because we also saw that on free cloud and this doesn't appear to be free cloud i actually have a theory i think they're actually on a planet called quailor 2 what is that planet um, if you remember, there's a scene in Star Trek The Next Generation, in Unification 2, where Riker goes to a bar and there's this woman with four arms. Oh, yeah, yeah. Playing piano. Well, as they're entering this space Vegas and there's all these glittering signs, there is in the upper right-hand corner an ad playing for a woman with four arms playing the piano. So I think it could be that character. That would be fun. I liked her. But who knows? But there's all sorts of stuff packed into that. And there's a scene in a museum, which, of course, they just go nuts in. And there's all these, (laughs) like, just everywhere you look, there's something from Star Trek. But my favorite thing, there's a painting on the wall. Uh, There's an episode, if you remember, TNG. Again, it's Mike McMahon. Everything comes back to TNG. So in A Matter of Perspective, Picard is painting and Data does that analysis of his painting. Mm-hmm. where he's painting a woman in, in a Fauvist style. And that painting is in the wall in the back of this museum. <laughs> if you look closely uh, how they got it, who knows? But uh, so they, you know, the, the deep cuts are there that the obvious things like the giant quark sign are there. And then this kind of painting on the back wall is there. So that shows they're, they're sticking to the plan of just referencing, referencing, referencing. But the, the the two biggest ones maybe were the cameos, which you mentioned, you kind of hinted at earlier. Our friend Robert Duncan McNeil is back and he's back as Tom Paris, but Tom Paris on like a collectible commemorative plate hallucination <laughs> <laughs> speaking to Boimler, who's obviously being affected by 
<laughs> is it it's fumes they say fumes so he's in he's in a jeffrey's tube um so something's leaking and he's hallucinating but for some reason he's carrying his tom paris collectible plate now if you remember when we did this season finale discussion for season one i kind of went on a thing about how he has a collectible plate of ransom in his quarters on the titan so i guess he collects plates that's like part of his thing sure and uh why he had one of ransom is weird was weird but this makes more sense because tom paris is you know hero of the federation i'm gonna guess ransom saw his collection and had one made with his own face on it and gave it to him oh that makes sense yeah that seems in character but the tom paris plate is awesome and they're already planning to sell it so you can buy your own Tom Paris collectible plate. Yes, they they go on sale or they go on pre-order I think on August 11th during Star Trek Las Vegas or sorry we we should be saying the 55 year mission Las Vegas from a new Star Trek licensee and so we'll have full coverage of the plate. And hopefully I will get one to review. Can you review a plate? I can review a plate. Mm-hmm. We can. <laughs> we have reviewed Weirder. The other cameo was much more subtle, though. See, this gets, it's kind of like the Picard painting and the Quark sign, right? So the other one, a lot of Trek fans noticed this, though. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, there's a crash shuttle, there's a, there's a computer core torn out of the wall that, that Boimler describes as the evil computer. Um talking to him and Mariner and the voice is very recognizable. It's Jeffrey Combs. Nice. And they mentioned it in the panel. They were all very excited about it. I know. I kind of think he should turn up on all the shows. Well, everyone was saying, Oh, well he should be boys on strange new worlds. And I, I'm kind of not into the idea just because not boys, but a guest star. I want him as a guest star on every show. Right. He should be another character. Yes. Um, it was kind of inevitable that he would show up (laughs) and, but yet it's a fun way, just like, you know, having uh, Robert Duncan McNeil play a plate. He's playing an evil computer voice (laughs) and who's insulting Mariner, telling her that she's fat. There's not a lot of plot stuff, but we, we definitely get a sense in the trailer of how things start, which is Boimler's on the Titan. And, and he's, He's, it's scary for him. He is in danger. He is not handling it well. <laughs> and he's no. finding it to be a very big challenge. And I feel like I, I sort of got the impression that Riker and company are not feeling like he was maybe the best choice. <laughs> I mean, he likes filling out reports. Um, he, you know, he likes doing little things that are meticulous. He does not, he's not into fighting packlets and getting shot at. And it was, it's terrifying for him. And I think he he may have like a nervous breakdown. I wouldn't be surprised if there's something like that. I mean, we see him screaming for his life being phased (laughs) in and out, you know, whereas everyone else on the Titans kind of cools a cucumber and he's losing his mind. So yeah, it's not a good fit. And he gets demoted apparently, you know, cause we see him as an ensign throughout the trailer and, and that clip we saw earlier. So we're kind of seeing how things kind of go badly um, in what, what is the first episode of the season. Um, we actually got the names of the episodes. 
I mean, if we're talking about the names of the episodes, then there's a character we need to talk about because of the title of episode two. And I can't believe we haven't discussed it yet. Yes, this is it. We were kind of talking about what, you know, there's more of what we've seen before. So there's there's more pack leads. There's more Titan. There's more Easter eggs. There's more cameos, which is all stuff we've seen before. But there's new stuff, too. So just getting back to the uh, first episode is called Strange Energies because they released some images, too. And those came with uh, descriptions with them. Episode two is called Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. Uh, And yes, and it looks like our new security officer is named Kayshawn and is Tamarian which is who you will probably remember that species from the episode Darmok. Now, Mike McMahon gave us a hint on this podcast a few months ago when, because I asked him, tell me about the security officer. And he said something like he's, he's from a species we've seen before, but not in Starfleet. So it is a, there was a first contact situation, right? In Darmok. And now we see apparently the Temerians have joined the Federation. Why not? Yep, or at least, you know, this guy has decided that he wants to be in Starfleet, which we've seen happen before. Um, but the, it's, he, you know, Mike McMahon said that the uh, the challenge of having a Temerian security officer where he can kind of speak English, but mostly is speaking in memes and metaphor is truly fun to write. So uh, that's going to be a very big, fun challenge. And of course, you know, when you watch Darmok, which is a great episode, it does not feel particularly sustainable to have someone yeah, speak in metaphors. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they worked it out in the end, but it was not easy. And and in a crisis situation on the bridge, uh, you want your security officer to fire the phasers. And and does that mean that they need to talk to him in metaphors? You know. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I mean, it's and how do they know that he'll recognize the metaphor like they're so that's it was a challenging concept anyway. But being played for comedy, I think is going to be great. Yeah, I think that they're it, it'll come up once in a while, but they have a workaround so that it isn't because that 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 joke will get old after a couple episodes, let alone a few seasons. So if he is the new security officer, which apparently he is, um, then. You know, this is, it'll be kind of like the joke with how data kind of doesn't get jokes all the time, you know, but it isn't a constant thing where you're constantly having to explain yourself to data. Right. Although now there is something weird in the trailer. There's a lot of weird things in the trailer, um, which is there's one shot from behind and it's kind of scene where some alien is standing in front of these pods that look like they're from the movie, The Fly. Where you see the characters from behind, and it's pretty clear that one of the characters is Shax. Yeah. But it's not a flash. Well, it's probably not a flashback because you could also see Kayshawn from behind. So Shax comes back? Maybe? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying it's possible. I think we're going to see Shax in season two in some form. And. There's going to be an episode where both of them are in it. So, yeah. But we also see a scene where they beam, like when I talked about that uh, episode where they're they're in a museum, 
you see Kayshawn there with the rest of the gang and no shacks. So he is kind of doing security officer stuff with them like a normal security officer would. So that's we'll a big see. question mark there. Yep. We'll see. But they made a pretty big deal out of it in the panel. So I don't think he's a one and done character. At least I hope not. That would be no, weird for them to just so. introduce a new security officer, then bring shacks back to life and say, ah, oh, just kidding. <laughs> well, we'll see. You know what? It really could go either way, but I, I feel like he's going to be around for a while. What else did we learn? Uh, there's some character moments that I liked in there. It seems like Tendi and Rutherford are getting closer. Um, there was one moment where Tendi was doing something to Rutherford that looked like he was being shocked. I think she's trying to kickstart his memories again. Yeah, it was a blink and you miss it moment. It came and went really quickly, but he has all these like electrode kind of things on him and is getting shocked. And we do hear him give us an okie dokie. So I <laughs> I think they may hit the reset button on that in a convoluted way. We also see more of this weird element, which was also talked about during the panel of at the end of the season, Mariner and her mom had this kind of conspiracy where they were going to be working together uh, to sort out problems with Starfleet. Right. And there was a funny moment in the trailer where Mariner was being dragged off to the brig yet again, (laughs) but it was being played almost for fun. Like the mom was like, they all, they were enjoying it in a weird way they were both enjoying it. Like, yeah, it's, I think it's one of those things where Mariner broke the rules, but, the mom, you know, Captain Mom was okay with that. And because Tawny Newsom talked about that in the panel as well, about how they're going to continue this dynamic, but it does complicate things. Right. Because she's a rebel, but she's now, so she wants to rebel against her mom, but now she's working with her mom. So she's going to figure out a way to rebel and work with her at the same time. And everybody knows, like, the secret's out, too. There was at least a few shots where we saw Dr. Miglimo, was it Dr. Miglimo or Miglimo, the bird Miglimo. doctor? Yeah, he was sitting on the bridge in the counselor spot. Yeah. Going. Yeah. So I think we're going to get more of him, which is good. I like him. I have to say, I had a couple of uh, favorite lines. There were sort of three that struck me. I mean, I love the one at the beginning where the Cerritos <laughs> warps away. <laughs> and, and the uh, Mariner asks how much oxygen they have left, which I <laughs> That was good. But my two favorite lines were, uh, who among us hasn't been pooped out by an alien creature when you see Tendi getting like swallowed by this giant slug and then pooped out the back. And then a great scene with uh, Boimler and Rutherford where Boimler's trying to say like, you know, we have this, we have this, this to help us. And he points to his head and Rutherford says, our skin. And he's like, no, our brains. And Rutherford's like, oh, brains are inside of our skin. Like he just figured it out. I don't know. All of those made me laugh out loud. Now, there was another brief shot where Tendi is turned into a giant insect. Yep. And I'm wondering if that's somehow related to the blob or, you know, or, or the slug. It's a slug that swallows her. Is she kind of the, you know, if you think about the uh, the Star Trek movies, Bad things always happen to check off in Star Star Trek original series movies. And maybe Tendi, you know, we're going to see more and more strange things happen to her. Maybe this will be like a recurring thing for her. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I mean, every series has one of those. Right. I, even, I wrote an article about that for the Star Trek site, actually. 
<laughs> My, you know, getting back to the pack leads, something that Mike said I thought was interesting. He basically said, "Yeah, the pack leads are going to be our our recurring bad guys in in the same way that the Klingons were on the original series." He mentioned, and the Borg and the Romulans were in Next Generation, which I we kind of guessed at before, but that makes sense. And we saw them in the trailer in a couple moments. But he said that it's not really up to the Cerritos to take care of the Packlets. It's more going to be the Titan and other ships because the Cerritos is not really the frontline ship. Yeah. And he said, I mean, he said the Titan and Riker are much are going to be much better at that sort of thing. Literally better equipped to handle it, but we'll still see them in the season. So I'm not sure how much Riker we're going to get. Uh, we'll definitely see him in the first episode. I feel like it's more than one. I think we're going to see him in more than one. Probably, but I'm guessing they get Boimler off that ship pretty quickly. Yes, but I like. think that I think the Titan's going to keep showing up. So basically, it's you know there's some new stuff and some old stuff, you know. But since we liked Lower Decks a lot in season one, you know, I'm just just as excited about season two. I see. There's no red flags. It's all looking good. Uh, the trailer's been fun. The previous trailer was fun. The clip they released is fun. Now I'm just like, I just want to see it. Yep. And you will <laughs> yeah. get to very soon. And um, internationally, we have news because people will get to see it there too. So it's confirmed that it is debuting on Friday, August 13th on Amazon Prime internationally. Right. And last time there was a four month wait, five months, I forget, but it was a long time to wait this time. It's just the next day. And if you were you were a fan of that um, Titmouse, which is the animation company, they had a t-shirt club every week. You got a different t-shirt last year tied to the episode. They were really fun, and they're doing that again this year. There's no details yet, but you know, by the time the season premieres, we'll have more info on that. I think that's all the news that we have this week. Is it? I th- yeah. All right, so let's wrap it up with our bits of the week. Mine is just this little story that showed up in a Welsh newspaper, and it's about a Star Trek fan in Wales who reached out to the Klingon Language Institute, which is kind of responsible for everything Klingon officially, and they work with Mark Ockrand, and they every year they issued new words in Klingon. And this Star Trek fan got the Klingon Language Institute to officially recognize Wales as a country. So in a way, you know, this fan is joking that he's kind of the ambassador, you know, to Wales for the Klingon empire. (laughs) And, you know, I just love that the the Klingon language and this notion of the Klingon empire, that there's a whole subset of fans who are, you know, way into this. And I just love that, that it's growing and evolving. And the Klingon Language Institute works with CBS here because when CBS, especially like season one of Star Trek Discovery, they needed a whole bunch of new words, you know, and those were all put out by the Klingon Language Institute after season one, they, you know, officially announced them all a kind of quasi official body of, you know, but this is it. So there you go. Congratulations, Wales. You're now officially <laughs> recognized by the Klingon Empire. Kapla. All right. All right. So what's your bit? Mine is just a tweet. It's just a little tweet that gave me a, a chuckle, which is Robert Picardo tweeted 
that he would gladly, he said, I'll gladly offer a free autograph photo to any unvaccinated Star Trek fan who gets a vaccination in the next seven days. We'll require proof of vax, a self-addressed stamped envelope, and an answer to the following question. Why do you wait until you were offered a free signed Star Trek photo to get vaccinated? <laughs> you know, and we are, we're already in a world that's offering all kinds of incentives to people who haven't been vaccinated yet, other than like, you'll be vaccinated, which I thought was a really good incentive for me. Um, but <laughs> that was enough. That Should was have like, been wow, really? That sounds pretty good. Sign me up. But this isn't this isn't a joke. He's going to do this. No, I feel like he's he would do it. But I think that he's going to actually want people to answer the question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know if he's going to reject some answers, but uh, I'm glad that he's doing this. I, I was thinking it'd be fun if all the Star Trek doctors did this. Right. Yes. Doctor team up. They should do a promo with all the doctors telling people to get vaccinated. The the CDC, you're saying? Somebody. Dr. Fauci with Dr. Crusher. Yes, with Dr. Crusher <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Bashir. Dr. Flox. The doctor, Dr. Flox, <laughs> Dr. Culber. Come on, they're just, I just think that would be a really good idea. They could have Dr. Tana from... Yes, you, have the, yes. you can have a little animated doctor. Yes. <laughs> I think it's a great idea, which is funny because I thought of it. But yes, actually, I think you thought of it, but it's a really good idea. We thought of it together. Yes. So that's it for another week of All Access Star Trek. We have one more week until we start reviewing episodes on a regular basis, which will be for the first episode of Lower Decks in two weeks. But we'll uh-huh. be back next Friday with something new and exciting to talk about. Um, I think I'm going to be talking to some Lower Decks actors next week, so hopefully we'll have some clips of that. Awesome. All right, so please come to the site, leave us comments, tell us what you like and what you don't, and what you think we should do and what we should stop doing. But we're never going to stop doing the podcast, because if it's Friday, it's all access Star Trek. Exactly.